0: Hello and welcome back to the Gig Stories podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome. Hope you have a great time. You are with me, Alex, and my friend down the road in Salford, as always, Christopher Payne. How are you, lovely man?
1: Hello, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I am
0: doing good. I am doing good. Now, regular listeners, you will know that Winters here can talk for Britain. But that is to change. That is to change. Going forward, we are just going to keep this short and to the point, aren't we, Chris, this intro? Well, we're going to try. Honestly, I'm going to try my very best because no one wants to listen to me waffle. We just want to get to, in Chris's words, to the meat of the guest. I'm not sure that's the right phrasing, though, Chris. You know, we'll have to I'll have to rethink that one.
1: Or are we offending vegans? (laughs) so apologies to any vegan or the guests uh,
0: meet i don't know i don't really know yeah but today oh my goodness it's hard to just not smile and fanboy this combines so many of our interests in it chris football
1: music the arts what a guest
2: what a
0: guest
1: i know and i was thinking that um in the late 80s in the late 80s my two favorite footballers were peter beardsley Yeah, um because he he played like he was in a, in a, a local park just trying to have fun <laughs> yeah. with it just having fun with his mates and the other one was our guest today and that's pat nevin oh oh i thought it was peter beardsley it's not Peter Beardsley ah. yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe get him on, but yeah, we want Pat. Um, Pat Nevin! Yeah, Pat so Nevin. In, in his 20-year career, he played for Chelsea, Tranmere, Everton, Clyde, Kilmarnock, Motherwell, and then he became um, chief exec of Motherwell as well. And he also um, played 28 times for Scotland. Get in! Um, <laughs> he's also one of the most knowledgeable and entertaining pundits on BBC Radio 5 Live.
0: Oh, without a doubt. One of my favourites.
1: it's always a, a joy when he's on Fighting Talk with with Colin Murray. Um, but he also recently published his first book, um, an autobiography titled The Accidental Footballer, which is, is just knockout. He talks about his career, but also talks about music. And what I like about the book as well is it doesn't shirk away from... And some of the more contentious issues, which, well, they certainly affected football in the eighties and nineties. We're talking racism, talking homophobia, yeah. but sadly, it's still prevalent. Not as much, but it's certainly in the eighties and nineties, it was it was rife. And um, he was, you know, an ally of of, of all these footballers who were. Um, targeted in that way so yeah
0: what what a player and before we get to the interview into the music let's just get our geeky football out of the way have you got stats there have you got the numbers of games and things
1: he played got, i've got numbers oh, so course you have yeah so i'm not going to go through each club but um 741 games plus 111 as substitute that was across all those teams that i mentioned before and that was just league appearances with 137 goals and then he played in um what? The, the FA cup he had nearly 50 games plus 10 as sub and 10 goals go um, on oh yeah so yeah lots and lots of goals but he created more than he scored he he created a load of goals he was he was a very um fond teammate of a lot of strikers basically because he he, he, enjoyed... he would
0: be great on fantasy football when oh, yeah. he, you'd have him in your team the points you would. get on assists would be ridiculous
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so without further ado shall we get on to it <laughs> absolutely
0: here he is it's Pat Nevin also had Pat uh, regularly in my panini sticker book mm-hmm. so that that that's all that's all that matters and and I I remember that picture Pat I remember that picture and I've got to. A... I'm trying to forget the haircuts <laughs> mate. I was just gonna say no you had the best hair you had the best hair because you were up against some absolute belters in the 80s and I think Mr Nevin you carried yourself very well good hair Good hair.
3: The thing is, uh, they were trying to do mullets and things like that, right? That's
1: right. Barry Venison pops into my head. (laughs) There there was a few.
3: There was a few. Even people I like, like Chrissy Waddle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I was channeling (laughs) Billy McKenzie or David Sylvian or Matt from the Bunnyman or, you know, (laughs) that's I was channeling. Yes. Yes. And
0: having, uh, I saw Ian McCulloch recently and he still managed to, he still got that hair. And, and still that style, he still looks good as well. I remember having a chat
3: with him once at the Hacienda uh, after a gig. And uh, and the, the chat was how, how how well his hair was doing. And he was saying, like, Oh, have good <laughs> days and bad days, you know. <laughs>
0: that, is, that is incredible. That is incredible. Well, one of the things I picked up on as a youngster, Pat, and as a, both Chris and I, really big football fans as well, was a few players that seemed to stand out didn't seem to completely fit that mold of uh, a footballer. And for Chris and I, who were football fans and big music Uh uh, fans and, and fans of books, finding people like yourself who were well-read educated and into the same music that, that we were was just fantastic. So we, we'd like to sort of take you back and, and find out where that came from. And so, when you were growing up, was music a big thing in, in your home
3: when you grew up? It was, but mostly, for, I mean, my dad was a big Frank Sinatra fan and show music and stuff like that. That's fine. Actually, years later, which I didn't know, he liked a, a decent amount of opera as well and near oh. Bob's songs. And it was years before, I mean, like 40 years later, I discovered this. Um, actually, one of my Favorite things, gig things I've ever done in my life is I managed to get my dad and my mom tickets for Frank Sinatra back in the 80s, <gasps> which was astonishing. And uh, by the way, we're not going to have enough time to do all the stories here, but I'll tell you this <laughs> very quickly. Um, <laughs> when I was down at Chelsea, and I, I thought hey, Frank was at um, the Albert Hall, he was doing a kind of stint there. And I, I asked everybody, in here and eventually got tickets. And the day before it, and my mum and dad came down. It was brilliant. It's great to give something back to your parents. And the day before, the guy said, Oh, there's another one. Do you want one? And I went, Yeah, I'll come along. Yeah, would love to see Frank. Yeah. So I was up and, at the, you know, where they kind of the posh seats were side where the balconies were. And uh, I was standing there at the back of, one of the balconies and came out, you know, a bit of going, st- going. And somebody tapped me in the shoulder and I'm, oh, What is it? Frank taps me in the back of the shoulder and says, can I get by? <laughs> no way. What? Yeah, right, on you go. <laughs> he walks by and go on stage. On you go, Whoa. big man. <laughs> You're
0: kidding. Uh, excuse yeah. me, Frank,
3: don't you know who I am? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Frank, he's a wreck, would you?
1: i uh, I think he was a Spurs fan, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed
3: with that. <laughs> so, uh, so, then, so, sadly, this is one of my failings. That if you say something, that goes to a story that I've completely forgotten about for 20 years or something and um, but yeah the music was there but the real music came from my brothers and sisters I had uh, two older brothers and older sister and a younger brother and a younger sister and um, but the older brothers and sisters they were into the music you're talking early 70s here so they bought albums and all the classic albums that you'd have and it was you know Dark Side of the Moon the original Simon Garfunkel's and all the stuff that they would normally buy there and, and I remember somewhat Molde Brown Michael got into Genesis really early now you're talking early 70s long before punk etc now Bowie's a given right so it's just a given right everybody loves Bowie yeah, exactly right? exactly so it's just a complete given so all the Bowie albums were there as well but it was really round about that time you know listening to that sort of stuff and I remember one specific thing that it was really odd because I would sneak in and play albums in my brother's room, right? And you'd go through the album, and you'd play that track and that track, and what ones you like? And I seemed to like the ones that everybody else didn't bother with. That was the weird thing about it. And I don't know why, I just I was attracted to them. I classically, I remember getting the Hexagonal uh, through the past Artly Greatest Hit volume two buy the own Stones that my older brothers were playing. Now, this is long before I was buying records, that must be seven, eight, nine, I don't know, something like that. And we feel the tracks, and okay, and all the bangers that you know. And then this track, 2,000 Light Years From Home, comes on and I, wow, that's fantastic. wow. Just, <laughs> yeah. you know, somewhere else, psychedelic, weird, not following the normal rules. So I, I was going through their stuff, and trying try to find something that was completely different, you know, and th- there was chart music and on, and if it was Bowie or whatever, it's fine. But, you know, the, the normal Japanese is both senseless without just no interest in that at all, even when I was really, really young. and I have to tell you a story. I re- Two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago, Last, a week ago on Saturday, I was DJing and I played through the past, I played uh, 2000 Light like, Years From Home. Uh, I've taken out my late bit and I've spliced it and I've, t- and I've, f- I've faded it together and I do the technical stuff on it. And the place goes mad for it if you got people going. Amazing. So, um, you know, so that's where I kind of, the first kind of love for it came on. And it was, you know, early days before the kind of punk thing happened, it was starting listening um, to anything I could find. Um, And then a a number of things, classical, classic thing. Meet a girl, she says, well, what about this stuff? And and she shows me sort of, the bands that I should be listening to and I started listening to, listen to Peely so that must have been 78-ish 77, seventy-eight, you know just about punk-ish time and I was what 15 and it was a brilliant time to really get turned on to what incredible stuff was going on at the time um, and that was just an absolute explosion after that.
1: Was this the, the kind of the way that your brain kind of worked was this the kind of um, kid that you were you kind of swam against the tide, you kind of did something that, that suited you rather than to fit in with your peers. Is that is did that start quite early on or was that something like... Yeah, but it wasn't
3: deliberate. No that's, that's the thing. It's not a oh I'm going to be different. It's a I, I can't be bothered all this that mainstream stuff. It's a bit boring. It was um a bit too a bit formulaic and I could see the formula. I could feel the formula in it if it was the same, oh that sounded like that, that sounded like that. And it was very you know, done by numbers, whereas people who are, I suppose, at the time I thought and probably still do, no, this is more artistic. This is more interesting. This is sometimes more challenging. Hence, I always do mention Genesis. Always promised I would mention it because, for their time, they were the extreme version of it. Them and Floyd and Bowie, etc. And is that Genesis with Peter Gabriel? Um, I think I, I would draw a line when Hackett left. <laughs> if I was getting right. into Genesis, okay. um, yeah. I would draw a line then. But I'd still, I'd seen them live. You know, I mean, I'd seen them live up till '79 or something like that. Um, uh, but but after that, it was it was an album called Duke, and I just thought oh god no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you what would you say before we jump onto sort
0: of live and how live gigs came about? What would you say was your sort of first album that you felt this is it? This is this is mine, and this is what this is the way I want to go.
3: Really, honestly, it was Seconds Out of Genesis. Double live album, all the best stuff. Mostly Gabriel influenced, although Gabriel had gone by then, but very highly yeah. influenced. Um, and I, it was. It had a big effect. Of, then I caught well, Lamalize down on Broadway, and I think Berlin Trilogy as well with Barry, and really got it. And when you're getting punked coming in at the time, so all this over a period of a year or so, it's, it's not a long time, really. It really isn't a long yeah. time getting that then punks really begin to hit in and then very soon after that the post-punk stuff um they start something but it's, it's a lot of people will never i mean if you ask danny baker now he'll tell you the best album ever written is selling england by the pound by genesis because that's a lot of people look back at that in a different way and yeah. something fall in and out of style um but you know they were challenging and interesting in their way got far too nearly after a while. I don't have a lot of time for a lot of other prog bands, I'll be honest with you. It's not a thing I've kind of got. It's funny that, isn't it? It's weird. But I mean, I've kind of, you know, I'm not a snob, and I'm not an anti-snob either. I just, whatever I like, and whatever I thought was challenging. So, you know, around about that time, the the problem was I've got another life as well. I've got two other lives. I've got education, and I've got football, (laughs) and I've got music. And they're all squeezing in and there came a point when it was 16 17 18 where they were all happening phenomenally at the same time and glasgow is a great place for that you know for all these unbelievable influences and you could you know postcard starts up and all that sort of stuff and punky stuff that was beginning to happen and everywhere you look you're thinking that's that's wow you know the, the the liverpool scene that was happening roughly at the time you know, so there was an explosion of really interesting stuff. And of course, Manchester as well, which we sort of took over my head for a while Um being a big Joy Division fan as well. Uh, but that was all mixed in with all these things, like, you know, like you know, you're know, you growing up, your mind's open. But it was an extraordinarily interesting time. And I remember Peely at the time was doing that crossover. You know, we did the Festive 50s and like number, I don't know the exact way of it, but number one would be anarchy and number two would be, you know, stairway to heaven. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> totally different. <laughs> totally different. And it was that crossover period. And you just knew and then by the next year, it's, it's all gone. It's all moved. It's all a different direction. And I'm away following Pele in the direction there. So that's it. Was quite exciting incredible. times though. Exciting times. Brilliantly so. Absolutely brilliantly so. And again, trying not to be a snob about because one of my mates at school was a very early proto-punk. Really early you know, slaughtering the dogs and all that sort of stuff. But we were great mates and he would push me on stuff. So I started, you know, the first Banshee singles come out. I get that. Um, And there's really early punky stuff come out. And I'm thinking, yeah, I love that. That's great. And he's going, well, you're not supposed to. You liked all that other stuff. And I said, I don't care. (laughs) I I like everything. I like the new stuff that's coming. I like that. Yeah, slowly but surely uh, the explosion of uh, stuff that was happening then. Uh, and by, you know, 79, 79, that, you're thinking, whoa, uh, I've, I just need you to listen to all of this new stuff, because there's so much everything. When did you become aware that, oh my
0: gosh, this music I love, I can go and see them live? As soon as it was allowed into central Glasgow. <laughs> <not finished>. um, <laughs> yeah, but
3: yeah. were you 18? Were you oh, no, 18, Were you no, 15? Well, <laughs> you didn't be Apollo at the time, you didn't need to be 18, so you could go to gigs when younger than that. Um, right, and okay. so you know the Apollo in Glasgow is famously an amazing venue. Uh, and I, c- I can close my eyes and remember it and smell it and see it. And the yes. vantage points yes. were phenomenal. You know, if you weren't if you weren't low, then you were up in the upper levels and it was so steep and the band were just there. You were with them and you couldn't believe you were there. I can remember exactly where I was sitting in my first gig. I mean Zach sitting. Yeah like you sat where <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, you were supposed to sit. <laughs> Tell us about then. What was that very first well, gig? the bouncers at the time of Glasgow were famously really hard, and um, and they ended up being battles and fights when the punks started coming out at the Apollo. Uh, but then my first gig was Thin Lizzy, and right. it was a wow. live and dangerous tour. And it's, it's funny that because at the time, you know, wow, what an amazing gig and what an amazing live album they had, which was a stunning live live album. I, I could do without the heavy metal bits that they influenced them. I, I just didn't like it at the time. It never got to me. Right. But a lot of the other stuff that he was they were doing was was stunning. And I remember all the way back to Whiskey in the Jar, was that 74 or something like that? But 77, first time I've seen them. But at that time when it was a, an amazing stage presence. Um, the The musicianship was brilliant. But they had great tunes, they had brilliant songs, and they were staggeringly powerful at the time. For, so, for that to hit you as your first gig, you know, two hours worth of bang right in your face with a, you know, back in those days, I, I don't think they had caps in the noise levels. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> so, no, I'm
0: sure. No, I'm sure they didn't.
3: Was, was Lynette, I'm not sure that I've consciously spoken
0: to someone who saw him live, was he really just mesmerizing? because people, you know, I've I've heard or read about people just saying this guy was you couldn't take your eyes off him.
3: No, you, you couldn't. Um I mean I mean it's it's not an exaggeration. Every woman in there basically was falling down. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, and he would stand out kind of. Um
1: and every guy wanted to be him.
3: Oh yeah. I, I yeah. mean, completely. Um there was a lushness about him when lush was allowed.
1: Yeah. We can still be lush Pat. It's yeah. all right. We're all friends here. We can be loose, yeah,
3: and we can. But try that in the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so there was a kind of. I mean, there's a, and he had this really odd idea. Well, the the set was light one search, like right on his guitar, which was mirrored, and he would pick people out in the audience, and talk to them, <laughs> and have a laugh at them. Oh, he would purposely
2: pick
0: them out
3: with that beam? Beam the beam back on them, straight into them. And that you're right on a person's face or right beside them. There's no video cameras in. Everyone just turned around to see who it was on. And it was always on a beautiful girl. Uh,
0: (laughs) Because it was.
3: That's the most rock and roll thing ever, isn't it? I know. That's that's so funny. I had the classic line, I have to tell you. The line sticks me to this day, which someone like me could never use. Um, uh, Hello, you're from Glasgow. Have you got any Irish in you? She went, no. Would you like some? So- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's oh, a bit rude. And certainly I wouldn't get away with that now. But um, That was rock and roll. It was rock and roll. You have to, you have to remember the times as well. Um, so it was a staggering, staggering uh, thing. And then that became unbelievably unfashionable to say that was your first gig. And now people realise, Oh my God, what a hell of a fuss game that was.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's amazing. I don't go with all those fashions. I think if you like them, you like, it's like U2. I'm unashamedly a U2 fan. There are moments of brilliance throughout their career. I can also see that, you know, they falter, but I've seen them live a few times and they were just incredible. And all right, we can go in and out of people, but the Thin Lizzy, that is, that is mega. And that night, Do you remember that night specifically? Because I remember my first ever gig, but I also remember the first time I went to a a football match, Mm. uh, a night match with my granddad and the lights and just how bright the green uh, of the grass on the pitch was. And do you remember that thing, Lizzie? Do you remember that sort of feeling of what is going to happen? Oh, this is happening. Look at this.
3: I remember being there for an hour before it, for, you know, the warm-up it, it may have been john cougar Mellencamp. Mellencamp, maybe. wow maybe i i can't remember anyway he hammered. was supporting yeah he get hammered yeah absolutely slaughtered oh i bet <laughs> um but yeah there was something phenomenally special i remember just there was a period after i said right on am gigs now and i think the next one was the pretenders first tour and thinking oh so they're all brilliant are they so they're all absolutely <laughs> fantastic and you, you're going oh so every band is absolutely brilliant <laughs> band has got a lead who's utterly incredible and they all wear leather trousers male or female clearly yes
1: <laughs> and i every- suppose if all the if all the gigs after that were incredible and um you know without fail there might be a a through line which is you you know what I mean? <laughs> Choice, yeah. So maybe it's you who is just like the whole the whole atmosphere of a okay. Maybe yeah. my
3: choices were quite good early on. Well, yeah, um, yeah. And <laughs> next, I can remember not being able to go to a gig, and this is where the problem started. Where I had an important football game on, and I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh well, I'll catch him next time. So I didn't go to Bob Marley in the rails, oh, and oh. they never ever come back. Oh no! <laughs> it was also one of those ones where I have no memory of what that game was, and I must have been quite young. And it was it important? Yeah. Probably not. And I made a decision. It was a tough decision. Uh, I went to the football instead of playing football, instead of going to the the, the gig. Always thinking I would get to. See, you know, Gordon the wheelers again. Never did so well.
1: But that's something that um that comes through in your in your book as well, because the you know throughout your career there was I mean th- there were many occasions where you had to balance the football. You know your career. And the music, and you went to you know quite extraordinary lengths sometimes, involving a lot of travel. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, was it Cocktail Twins? Um, but mm. you know, you know, on several other occasions, you had to kind of try and balance your your football and, and the music.
3: Yeah. By the time I was a professional, you know, yeah. you would expect people to stop doing that. But the hell with that. Yeah. <laughs> I Still wanting to live my life, you know. Yeah. Um, before I got out of Glasgow, you know, I was I was playing part time with Clydes and I was, um. A student doing a degree, but I was going to see a lot of gigs by then. So the Glasgow music scene really kicked off. And um, you'd mentioned you too. Um, went to see the October tour, so that was the second album. Oh wow! And, uh, that was a week after I think uh, Simple Minds had done the Empire and Dance. It might have been the one before Empire and Dance tour. Oh, incredible! And, and I just fell in love with these two young bands who not many of us were into. They were a bit. Left field, and I'm thinking, God, even their little bands are brilliant, <laughs> yeah. not knowing, of course, they're going to turn out to be the most wow, self stadium rocket. But it, at the time, like, so they're both of them, I kind of fell in love with them, you know, three or four albums in, whatever. But you know, that doesn't matter, they no, speak, not at all. They produced that stuff.
0: A, fr- a friend of mine who's a, a playwright, um, he's in Liverpool now, but he was london-based and uh, he's a bit older than myself and he remember seeing bono at the king's arms or king something pub in london and he said he saw this gig and he saw him perform and 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 bob just said this band are going to make it and this singer this lead man at least is going to go on to Big and special things And 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 it's interesting to sort of say That early on when you've seen a band On their first or second tour Did you, did you feel that about Bono And and uh, about Jim Kerr
3: Yeah well with Kerr definitely It was so obvious you know, Kerr was kind of yeah. such a front man yeah, yeah. It was really Transfixing because it was so different To just by anything you'd sing You know his style, style of dancing, movement Their style of music, very influenced by You know but when you look back now. it's there is a Genesis influence, but there's a European influence. there's Can, and there's all that sort of stuff as well. Um, but they were they had some amazing stuff. And funny enough, again, I was DJing recently, and a guy that I DJed much much younger than me, and I said to him, "Go and listen to the first three or four albums, mate. Just come back and tell me." Oh, I hate simple mates. Just listen to the first three albums and tell me. Yeah, yeah, totally. And when I walked in the other night, there, yeah, he was playing in trans in transmission. You know, <laughs> thinking he actually <laughs> listened to it. When, Oh yes, I get it. So there was <laughs> you know, there, were, there was some and is, so so there was some growing stuff, but you could see the personalities of them. Very different to him and Bono. That first gig with Bono, it was was it night moves or something like somewhere up in Soccer sort of, like, Hall Street in Glasgow and uh he was climbing all over the, the superstructure of the staid, stage And nobody did that. I mean, a while before I'd seen Mark Smith and Fall doing hex induction around about that time, it was yes. just, He's not going to be climbing on the superstructure.
0: Marky <laughs> <laughs> Smith is not doing that.
3: So, and it's in the cure. And, you know, they, and it's all very shoegazy and all that sort of stuff. That's This guy's crawling like a spider across it and singing all the time. And you're thinking, yeah, that's a bit different, like. So <laughs> I have to add more time for Jim than I had for Bono. But um, my girlfriend at the time liked Bono all lot better. <laughs> so, oh, but I'm yes. still getting around it. You know, that's was such an influential time of you looked around and you were seeing some bands that have and still are some of the biggest bands in the world and and then in the middle of that you think i know where i am now i like all this stuff and then suddenly postcard arrives and you go what's what's that (laughs) it's completely an utterly different viewpoint but hopefully because i was quite open-minded i could see the different direction and we had kind of different styles in glasgow at the time uh, but I wasn't a kind of snob to either of them. There was a whole posh postcard thing and the whole kind of <laughs> Neddish side that were you two. very early simple minds. <laughs> yeah. It was a kind of style thing. But I've never been like that um, in any part of my life. I don't uh, follow that kind of gang. Before we take you on to the quick
0: fire round, I just want to jump back to what we've mentioned and it's something that Chris and I love especially about you is the things or the lengths you went to when you were a professional footballer to get to a concert tell us about the sort of most extreme length you ever went to, to to get to a gig that you were like I am not missing this
3: well first thing with that first book accidental uh, footballer I had to take 30,000 words out of it and that was most the music stories um, oh, 30,000 yeah so I'd not too much and the second one's exactly the same I'd take 30,000 out so I, I rate and are we getting those 60,000 please back because Chris and I want them Yeah, they're, they're kind of but I kind of cut them down to the very very best and the very the ones that and you know, the ones that are kind of similar sort of things so I just get the best one and leave the yeah. rest of it um, the, the publisher said once look you could do another version later and just add that stuff if you like and yeah but anyway this stuff like I mean certainly I mean, going going the cocktails the, when I was at Chelsea, and desperate to see them, um, but flying out on the Tuesday after training from Heathrow, getting to Paris, getting a train down to Bourges, watching the gig, Liz mentioning me in the encore, which was really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, hanging about with Simon and Robin and Liz afterwards in their dressing room, because um, Simon was my best friend, um, he's the bass player, at Cocktail Twins. Next door was Dead Can Dance. And we could hear everyone that we're saying. Brilliant. Oh, <laughs> be careful in dressing rooms. Um, but then getting back and flying in in the Thursday morning at Heathrow, seeing the lads as I'm landing, beginning to run out for the warm up. But we still get in time for training. And nobody any of the wiser that I've been in this massive journey around Europe to see the cocktails and back because we had a day off on the Wednesday. And I was able, you're to- kidding. And- so that sort of thing. I mean, certainly there was a famous game back then, very unusual to have live football games back then, but uh, it was a live game my first season playing for Chelsea and we we're playing Man City up at Main Road.
0: Oh, yes,
3: I remember that. Time. And after the game, everybody, we we won 2 0, scored, got man of the match. I'm 20 at the time. Everyone's jumping back in the coach. We're just about what, you know, we've got promotion at the top league then because we were in the league below for that first season. And uh, they're all doing what you would normally do, and I'm saying, "Bugger that! I'm going to the Hatch. I'm going to the hacienda." <laughs> so after the game, I went to the hacienda, and that was hacienda before Manchester. So it was totally empty. There was about seven people in it, including Tony Wilson and Vinnie Riley. And I was saying, I ended up just walking there because I wanted to see the structure of it, you know, design of it as well, and also the music in that kind of was that a pilgrimage for me. Um, so I went in and became friends with Vinnie that night and. We are still the greatest of friends. Um, and I no yeah, and Vinny and I are very close. Vinny's wrote a song for me, it's called. I was going to say. Yeah, shop Number, seven. number um, seven. It's nice. But Vinny and I stayed great friends. I I love Vinny's music. If I was in Desert Island, this, there's, a, there's a Juriti Column, stroke Vinny Riley track 100%. Oh, yeah. right. I love Juriti Column so much. Um, but then I'd get sleep in the station, Manchester station, and then get the 5 a.m. train back down. Uh, to London. And I thought that's perfectly normal. And for people like us, that's it's normal, isn't it? Maybe yes. not for a top footballer who's been man of the match and Bobby Charlton's me saying, Wow, he's amazing. He's like Tom Finney, he's like Stanley <laughs> Matt. <Mace." laughs> and I'm going, no, nah, I'd to hear a fall track and you know in the Hacienda <laughs> end. But I suppose empty. I suppose
1: at that point you you like you said, like you said before, you know, you've got you've got a life to, to live. I suppose um, you know um, making sure that those needs were 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 met, and you enjoying the you know going to gigs, and um, that's doing wonders for your mental health and helping you kind of stay level and keep calm. And and as you mentioned in the book, you know you you didn't um, thrive on getting psyched up for a game. You, you you thrived on keeping chilled. And this is all helping, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you spotted that in the book because it's it's a it's a thing that I don't like stand tub thumping about. But it was, it was deliberate. I knew what I was doing. It mm. makes sense as if I was living a mad, stupid, daft life. I wasn't. I knew I had to keep the two things separate. Um, yeah. the, the people that were mad for this, the superficiality of the fame in the football, I, I found ridiculous. Um, mm. And because I found it that ridiculous, I never wanted to be sucked into it. And I don't think the head I ever was particularly turned by it. But I knew that there was a danger there so well,
1: generally they paid for it in later life as well you know through whatever addictions they but i mean a few. i mean i can think of worse addictions than music
3: yeah um, oh no that definitely was an addiction <laughs> yeah but the nice thing is i met people that were similar yeah. if you go to gigs you meet people and that's the type of friends you have none against football i was like oh I'm all right I'm quite a lot of them um, i didn't think i was above them or anyway. i just thought no I'm have different interests. Do you have the same interests as everybody you go to work with? Ask anyone who's listening to this. Nobody else is probably no. So you're allowed to have your own life and your own interests. It's just that football's a bubble, and I'd never liked the bubble since I was 13. I never liked the bubble. I had yeah. other interests out with it, and it, it did. It kept it kept me sane, it kept me grounded, kept me level. And then you would meet other people. I mean, the classic, the best one is the the very best one was becoming friends with Pele, and you know because. You know, I have got to know him, it's, it's a fun story how I got to know him. What? <laughs> I wrote to him and uh, asked him to interview him for a, 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 a newspaper I was writing for. And the newspaper was the Chelsea Football Club newspaper and I hadn't said that. Anyway, eventually I, he said, oh, I'm a bit busy. And I wrote back saying, well, my team are playing, your team, Liverpool, and I'm playing that day. And I would like to interview you before the game. And he went, mm-hmm. That, that's the most subtle, do you know how I am you've ever heard in your life? No. <laughs> and we met up, and the point about Pele was, apart from being a hero, uh, the point about him was, he was exactly the same as me. We were utter outsiders, compared to everybody else that did our job. But we did it purely for the love. And I did football for the love, the love of actually playing. All the other stuff was, shit, I did not like it. <laughs> I had no <laughs> time for it. So... So, I made sure that it never, you know, I never get drawn in that world. So, were you aware of any other players like yourself
0: that were sort of doing similar things in, in yeah. your peers?
3: Not early days, no. Um, because I'd other interests as well theatre and the arts and cinema and you know, dance, yeah, and like that.
0: Um, because I know that Stuart Pierce was quite a, I knew he was punk, I know a yeah. slight different generation, but he was quite punky, wasn't he?
3: No, we were really the same generation, just about exactly the same generation. Yeah. Oh, co- oh, yes. A couple of years between, oh, yeah, no, of course, solidly far, about 18 years, and we never spoke one word (laughs) to each other. (laughs) What, one word? So, I'm right wing, he's left back, never a single word. And I always knew, see, when we finish, we'll be mates, yeah. But see, now, nothing, no, this is this is business, this is serious, this is psychology against each other, and we're brewing psychological battles over a year. Um, but there's, there's a story in the next book coming through, which ties it all up, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, very, very, we ended up playing in this game. I'll tell you the punchline because not everyone will ever listen to this. We, I was at Motherwell at the end of my career, and we'd never really spoken at all. Um, but I kind of, we kind of knew that we kind of like similar stuff. Anyway, he came into the dressing room. And I was playing for the, the youth team. I was like 37. Playing for the youth team at Motherwell just to help the kids along. <laughs> I've keep an eye on him, right? And he was doing the same for Newcastle. And it was at this wee ground up near Motherwell. And uh, before the game, he came in and he kicked. He walked straight in the address, and all the kids are like, Ugh! psycho's walked in, right? And he's walked in, he's booted the box of studs and they floor flown everywhere. And he's picked out about four of the biggest studs he can get, and he'd walk back out. And uh just as he's about to shut the door, he hears a voice in the background going. Who's that fat asshole? What a dick. (laughs) And of course, he's closed the door and he kind of come back in like, (laughs) I know the kids are nodding themselves, falling over. This is not the reaction that Stuart wants, right? Of course, the voice is me and he hasn't realised I'm in this. So as we walk out for the game, he's standing playing centre-back and he's looking, going, who is the little shit? Who is it? Who is it? (laughs) And then he's watching me laughing. (laughs) And I started laughing as well. And we've never spoken before that. He goes, oh, in heaven, who's you playing? Uh, sent the meds here. And he goes, ah, oh, come over and play against me. You'll get the usual backing reception. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A F-A-C-K-N. I didn't swear. Um, and, and that was that moment where all that animosity of all these years. But it wasn't. It wasn't animosity. It was pure psychology. It was great psychology. Um, so there was one or two people. Um, certainly I tried to I'll be honest with you, I'm in a very Emma-ish sort of way, I tried to develop the odd acolyte. Um, when do you throw a Jane Austen quote? In. Um, <laughs> that's that's a first
1: for our pod, actually. It is
3: a first on our pod. It wasn't um, lost on me. Um, but uh, no, well, yeah. in the Emma stories. Well, have you ever seen *Clueless*? The movie *Clueless*. <laughs> that's, that's Emma. That's the same thing. So, anyway, yes. Emma gets young acolytes and. Um, builds them up and teaches them things What I I'd, I'd one or two of them when I was at Chelsea and particularly particular this guy called John Miller and I'd take him to the South Bank and but then he left and I had to go and get the next one and then the next one <laughs> learned very quickly and Who was that? The guy called Lesore <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Yes Yes I'm was, so it, pleased It was almost like a blank sheet of paper before I got a hold of him <laughs> like, yes. I'm, that I'm, that I'm is... saying Right, go and watch that, go and do that, go to the theatre, go to this, do that, do that. And I'd take them, my girlfriend and I would take them places. Um, and, well, Graham and I are still great mates, but so I was kind of, I suppose I was looking for friends with her. <laughs> I was saying something. Yeah. Uh, but there was other
0: people that through the years. You know, I like, should have known that was you. Because I knew, you know, Graham Lestow was that way. so, so obvious, isn't it? I, I know, know, didn't know. it,
3: but it was yeah, Nevin. Please, of course it please. was Nevin. The <laughs> fingers <laughs> are over that one, yeah. <laughs> Reading well, the garden. Well, the whole <laughs> thing, yeah.
0: Well then, Chris, I think it's time we take Pat to the quickfire round.
1: Your favourite live band or musician?
3: <sighs> That's unbelievably hard.
0: Um, yep, and we accept Pat that it could. Your answer might be different if we ask you tomorrow or on Friday or on Sunday, because
3: that's how Chris and I are as well. Um, so right now, what are you feeling? If I I'd, if I could see any band and if you could get them together again, I'd go and see the cocktails again. Uh, brilliant
1: Yep, and yeah, I've to, I've talked about this. So I went to tea in the park in the late nineties, and uh, I can't remember who I said. I looked at the um the the lineup, and I chose not to go and see a Cocteau Twins. And I, I think it was, I think I went to see Terror Vision or something. I can't remember, but it's one of my...
0: No, Chris, no, you've never said that before. That better not be true. I think that it was... better he, not be true.
1: No, I think it was in the episode with Rick Witter. And we, I, I mentioned that. So that's a, that's a regret. And that can I, I try and
3: have. beat you in that one?
1: Oh, go on. Oh, yes, yeah, please. I love this. So
3: I went to see a band that I really like, because, you know, those post-punk days, now let's see the Teardrop Explodes. And they, support, they were supporting another band, and I bugged off before the other band came on. Queen. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we all do things that are not quite. Queen wouldn't have been my kind of thing. Well, be serious. You got. To, I never did see them. Like, I was just yeah. going to say,
0: did you even get to see them? No.
3: Never. No. <laughs> I'm
0: just. I'm just going to remind the listener and Chris this Pat because I know that you'd appreciate this because we yeah. like Chris and I. We like the chat about. It's generally the other way around support bands that we've missed because we just for whatever reason. And um, Chris chose to stay and drink in the bar and miss this support act and then go and see the headliner. And that support act was Amy Winehouse.
3: Oh, and look, look, that's the easiest thing they want to do because yeah, 95% of the support bands, nothing ever happens, they get hammered, it's rubbish, it's the fence, this and they've not got a good sound check and all that sort of stuff. But every now and again, if if it's humanly possible, I go. And apart from anything else, just to give them support. So Yeah, yeah. well,
1: I've not, I've not missed one since. Yeah. That was that Isn't was a, a learning experience. <laughs> I learned from I'm I became so... more rounded as a person after that. See, I warned you,
3: I warned you about me and Quickfire. It's rubbish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm still
3: I'm on a, I'm still laughing at Queen. I know. I can the actual reality of that. I'm going to go. Can add a wee bit on top of it as well, which I think is really quite funny. I think this is true because they were playing in Edinburgh. I think it's Ingolston, and uh, I'd lied to my mum. She wouldn't let me take a day off school, so I lied to my mum to get a day off school to go through to Edinburgh because I said I was going to see the Pope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you meant the Pope, (laughs) exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Anyway, I am stealing that and using that myself. Just no, so do good. it. That's for that's book number three. Out of interest, I've
0: not got this one down as a quick fire one, but I'm just wondering if it's going to be the same answer that you've just given.
3: Who's your favorite voice to hear live? And toss up between Les and Les Fraser and yeah, Billy, Billy McKenzie. Billy was unbelievable. Seeing the associates and I remember coming out an associates gig and one of my friends, Paget, who was one of Peely's helpers. And Paget, and I, again, still great friends. And she couldn't get in and I was gutted and I tried everything, I couldn't get a ticket. And I said, well, take mine, she wouldn't have it. Anyway, I met her afterwards and we drove along um, the South Bank, going over the bridges and stopped and went, in those days you could stop in the bridge, you know, Battersea <laughs> Yeah. And, and I was trying to explain to her this he played this song, which I think it was Nothing in Something, particular. I think that was the name of the track. But he he put a vocal on top of it, and I had to sing the vocal to her while she was listening to it.
2: And it was oh, oh, oh.
3: and I remember thinking, so Billy's voice does soar, you know. And that night mm. it was, and I was still high from Billy's voice it's after because his voice was otherworldly, completely otherworldly, as is as was. Life.
0: Great answer. Well, the next one that was uh, going to be the next question is your favourite venue. I'm rubbish
3: with big venues. Don't get them. Um, Interesting. Interesting. I, I don't. Um, I absolutely don't get them. I I really struggle to tell you an open air big gig that I've enjoyed in my life, my entire life. Really? Stuff like, yeah. Stuff like Radiohead and Pulp I, mean, I love Pulp I mean, seen was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Absolutely right at the time, just you know, just a different yep. process around it. Yeah, and I'd seen them before that when they're really small, but um, and they're amazing. Does that include arenas as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. so in enclosed
3: but large. Yeah, I remember places. going to see, I remember going to see Bell Sebastian a while back and being blown away at a small Glasgow, gig, smallish Glasgow gig, and then going yeah. to see them in the big arena place in uh, uh, in Glasgow and thinking and feeling cold at the end of it. Just feeling mm. absolutely
0: cold. So I, I am going to be interested now in what you say is your favourite
3: venue then. Um, of 250, i.e. anywhere where that's the, the, the kind of number-ish. You yeah. Too small. Yeah. And it sometimes doesn't work, you know, and like King Tut's and things like that. King Tut's can be a wee bit too small in Glasgow. Uh, something that the old cinema venues, two and a half thousand up to that i'm okay and yeah. um, above that i'm uncomfortable i don't feel part of it um but and actually fact, anything beneath that you know i've, I've got those loads of them come and go.
0: so it's a feeling for you you interestingly you just said i did i didn't feel part of it so for you you feel need you feel like you need to be part <laughs> of that experience I remember, yeah
3: i remember i mean even something like the flips you know, flaming lips i mean for god's sake I mean they are just the most brilliant thing incredible. Yeah, amazing. But go and see them inside. Go and see them and when you're looking down at a place like a or the place in Edinburgh, they play oh, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, there's a two and a half thousand ish, two thousand ish there. And yeah, like I was in the back row once and it was like, I'm there, I'm I'm in it, I'm part of it. So it's that's my kind of thing. But it doesn't it does the barrellands in Glasgow's one of those ones where it kind of that can slightly skew it because you can get some bands in there where, because of the specifics of the crowds, they go mental a lot of the time if you get it right. But the Barrowlands can be rubbish as well if they are the wrong type of band. So it's funny, the Barrowlands
0: comes up an awful lot as people's favorite and bands as well. You know, a lot of bands, I'm a massive Manix fan, and they've always said from as far back as I can remember that the Barrowlands is possibly their favorite. Venue and,
3: and and you get it because of the reaction. But I remember a while back seeing Mercury Rev, and then it kind of didn't work. But I've seen him that's at interesting. i seen him at the art school in Glasgow a while later, and it was utterly, yeah. utterly transfixing, brilliant, beautiful, and immersive. So, I mean, I think that's a feeling. Hmm. May, may I add, it's a kind of slight feeling. It's not snobbishness, you know, it's just I don't feel part of it. So, there's been a lot of my favorite bands I could have seen. Uh, later on and I've just never bothered because I've had so many negative experiences can I take one away from that I take one away from that yeah I've, yeah yeah uh, early 80s and I'd taken years I've, I was both well, three of us supposed to take each other to see bands and I took my mates to see some indie band they couldn't play their instruments right and my mate took me to see Simon and Garfunkel at Wembley wow. oh wow yeah! Wow! Exactly! <laughs> yes! Oh wow! And they somehow made it. me Did it? History. Did they? Did it work? Did they? Yeah. absolutely staggering, beautiful. Well, no. I've
1: talked about this. I mean, we—I um, think we were at the same yeah. gig, seeing uh, Elbow play uh, Manchester Arena, and they—they yes. they made yeah. it feel like you were in a living room watching them. Um, I mean, they had a thrust stage, and they were, at one point they went in the in the middle of the the whole mm. arena, but. It felt so intimate. It felt really, yeah. really close. And I think some bands have got that ability to just it's, kind of draw you in. I've
3: i can I've just can remember being disappointed with so many. Mm. Yeah. I, I've walked out, and it's not like me walk out. It's like, it's like football game. You should never walk out before the end. Yeah. But I remember walking <laughs> out of a simple mind zone and think, oh, this is garbage. Whoa, you walked out of a Simple Minds gig And and everyone talks about it in this kind of Awestruck way now, it was at Ibrox Park Simple Planes playing Uh, at pictures. I mean, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And remember It was about five, six songs in I just thought, nah, not having it And I think it was more than music, it changed It was stadium rock and it wasn't my kind of thing But I felt nothing But Then again, I'd seen them, there was 150 of us there And they Mm. were unbelievably powerful In a small place
0: Is there anyone you would see in a stadium? um did you ever like the theatrics of it because one gig I've mentioned you two already and I know what you say about stadium gigs but I was I saw them in um what is now the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff it used to be the National Stadiums I'm sure you're aware and I saw you two play there on the Zoo TV tour uh in 92 Uh and when they had all the screens and that is just one of the greatest live experiences I've ever had, and it worked yeah. because it was supposed to be large and theatrical, and it, they pulled it off. Is, is there someone that you would see, or you think, oh, they might work actually?
3: Um, I, I, I suppose the big ones like if Floyd had done it, you know, or something like that. You know? Yes, yes. I should have, I should have gone to see Floyd with Mac. I never did. Mm. My wife loves them, and I thought that's a bit mainstream for me. And then you realise now that Trissy's gone. You should have.
0: I know, I've been thinking the same thing I've been thinking the same thing
3: No one will ever play songbird like that again You know, so oh, I know. There's a pity that maybe my snob- If I have any In a in reaches of snobbishness That was when that cost me and shouldn't have done it um, There's one, right I'm here to shock you, right Because I've talked to you all day about the fall And about everything else, right I've seen a gig recently Which is Maybe arguably the most astonishing gig I've ever seen Okay. A year ago. Less than a year ago. Um and I can't I can't, I can't hide it, we'll lie. Um, if you haven't been to see ABBA. Did no, you say ABBA? Yeah. If you haven't been, every single person I've talked to has had the same had they've had the same effect as me. You go you go along and yeah, brilliant tunes and that, that's fine, but it's ABBA, you know, very good. But the it's avatars, right? Um I heard Danny Baker talking about it recently, and he's just wiped out but knocked out. He goes everything everyone says is true mm. and it, and it's so if you're talking to stadiums, what they've done there is exciting but very frightening for us people who love gigs very yeah.
0: very, very frightening that's what makes me nervous and i'm yes, I am yes. not going to lie to you, Pat <laughs> when it comes to ABBA I side with your mate Colin Murray uh-huh. I just yeah. don't get um, I don't get it and it's probably Because I was just Overexposed to them as a kid As a youngster
3: and Wait, I was just Wanting you, to listen you need to, to my over music it. Hey I was overexposed to the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I I'm okay with being overexposed To the yeah, Beatles but
3: I was overexposed to them Because my younger brother played nothing else For 10 years and I shared a room in. So I knew every Beatles song backwards whether well, they meant it or not. <laughs> so, but
0: my thing is, Pat, what if I went to that ABA thing and I came out and I enjoyed it? Then I'd have a real
3: problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think so. No, the reason why I mention it is I'll tell you I mentioned it for a deeper reason than that. Um it's because I didn't think we'd got there yet. So um when I say I went to see ABA, I didn't say I went to see their avatars, I went to see ABA. It's it's done in yeah. a, oh, it's ish data. So it's not a yeah. big like stadium. But if they translate it to the stadium, be fine. And it's a live band. They are done in these kind of 3D avatar things, right? And you walk in, and I just like you, just like you. Think to myself, I'm not having this. I'm a live yeah. music man. This is not. I'm just not having it at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
3: I'm not going to believe it. And I'm not going to. And then half a song, and your mind just, your brain just completely can't cope. Your brains. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. I had to take my son to see the movie Avatar 2 the other day. And it's got 3D things, all that sort of stuff. Children's stuff in comparison, right? It's such a nonsense, right? This, really? There's a moment in it. I don't want to ruin it for anyone who's not been. I mean, it's purely something you, if you you, love live music. And this is the reason why it's interesting. Um, There's a moment in it where there's a band playing over the side of the stage and they can r- rise up out of the stage. And you go, well, are they, are they real? I don't know. I can't, I can't tell the difference. I have no way of telling the difference between those four people singing there and that band. And then at one point, three singers uh. were caught in front of them. Three black girls who sing uh, something. Uh, I I cannot tell you if they're avatars. I have no idea. I am 20 years away. I can't tell you. What? Because they've got the heft. They've got the, everything. Everything. It is and even if you don't like the music, even if you hate that language a passion, it's worth seeing.
1: And, um, it's Pete Pafides was raving about it. I think he he, awesome. he loved it. So
3: Well the, the reason why it's a concern, and here's the concern, and here's the where my mind did go. So say you're a band like the Rolling Stones or whoever, right? And you're your age. There's no way you're gonna imagine other Elton John. You know, you're not going to do another tour, but you want to be alive. We're not far off where you walking into a stadium and it being beamed in all these other stadiums around the world at the same time, and no one's got a clue which stadium you are in. Nobody's there. <laughs> We're not that far. We're really yeah. close to it. That is and well, scary. I'm,
0: <laughs> I, I'm at Glastonbury again this year. I'm there most years. And of course, on the Sunday night, we have Elton John.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll be looking very carefully. I'm making sure. <laughs> Elton, is it you? Is it you as an avatar?
3: <laughs> so, 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 there are some bands. I mean, Elton would have been interested. My daughter, my daughter was nearly reached the stadium Auckland this week, and then they had that. The whole place was flooded. The whole yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, and yeah. she yeah. just got out with her and her boyfriend. Were, Managed to be in a car doing something They they got to high ground They just got onto high ground Mega over there, we've kind of seen it And go wow, it was massive And I was in, actually I was in New Zealand two weeks ago And uh, to see her And you know, you go What? Has that just happened? So uh, anyway My fear is You could actually walk into a gig in Rio And the band could be in London And you won't know We're not far away And that I find that upsetting I do yeah. think it's really upsetting but there you go yeah, uh, so too. that's the stadium me that's the stadium I'll never <laughs> give you a yes or no do i sorry no I like that go on Chris move on with the quick fire quick round fire,
1: <laughs> yeah. so
3: called quick fire
1: um, this is a, just off the top of your head a, a favourite gig moment so a particular performance of a song or a special guest who might have come on as a surprise um, just something quirky that happened that you weren't expecting
3: Um well, there, there's moments, I, see, people talk about what gig really means, what's really big to you, and it's, it is it's sometimes moments. The whole thing can wash over, and it's beautiful. There is now and again, I've been at a couple of concerts where you go to a gig, and something happens, and at the end of it, people actually forget to applaud. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It's happened to me twice yeah. in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. I just go, and the, the jaws are on the floor, and they just... And it did happen with a, a, a cocktails concert. I was at uh, I think maybe in the LSE, something I like think, and Les was singing, it was head over heels kind of thing. And the, the end of it I just went. To, and it was a weird, weird, weird thing. And it may have actually happened more than once that night. Um, I can remember being at a Juretic Column gig where I was crying. Yeah. It was so, so beautiful that I went bubbling, There was just tears coming down my face. It mm-hmm. was so staggering, but Denny was perfect. Yeah. But the most recent one again, I'm talking about similar bands here, but lots of different bands. Maybe the fact that I thought, well, that was that was young me, you know, Mr. Cynical now. Same ha- thing happened a couple of years ago. Um and it was it was particularly passionate because um were playing St. Luke's, which is just beside Barlands. I don't even know it. Saint it's St. Luke's is right beside Barland's. And they hadn't played since we lost Kerry Lander. Yeah, she died yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, and I knew and was great friends with Carrie um, and Tracy Ann but I had a running joke with Carrie that um, I would stand three people back directly in row in line with her, um, an kind of organ, a piano, whatever, and try and catch her eye and make her laugh. <laughs> Sometimes you will see a picture and she's laughing; it's me winding her up, right? So, Brilliant. and it's, it's beautiful, and, and then of course. The pain of losing it. Uh, the band must have been horrendous. And they, anyway, they played you know, a couple of gigs up in some of kind of comeback gigs. And then the first one was really good. My wife came and my son came actually as well. Loved it. Um, but I, kept, I went the next night and they played a song uh, um, that they, they hadn't played for a long, long time called Books Written for Girls. And at the, at, her singing that night at that song, and everybody knew who it was for. And everyone knew who she was thinking about, and that honestly, everyone just stopped. No one could move. It was, it was. So I know a lot of people can be emotional and cry or with tears or built up, well, welled up for a variety of reasons. Um, but the fact that, oh my God, I can still feel that way, you know, at my age, and it was yeah. the most. And I remember thinking. I'm going to get a recording of that, so I've always got it. And you're thinking, Don't actually don't. Yeah. Just remember. Right. Yeah, I get that. So I get that. So that's that, that's those moments. Too. There's a moment I remember Barney from New Order realizing he could sing. <laughs> well <I'm> going <laughs> singing temptation, you know, and then saying, Oh, you've got blue eyes and, and singing it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can sing. So there's moments, and I love moments that it just punch you between the eyes and go, Wow
0: and you know what you've you, you've i think you've expressed probably better than uh anyone we've had on here why live music is so wonderful because it, it you have all those emotions and none of those emotions are wrong either elation sadness and i think we've all had those and that's why live music is so powerful you know even more so than than, than listening to that artist on record so no i i love that next question uh, opposite to that,
3: what's the worst gig you've ever been to? I've walked out of, of gigs where I've just thought, no, I, it's not for me. You know, it I, was so bad. No, it's just because it wasn't for me. Um, right? Okay. Um, I walked out of a simple maze, um thing. Just wasn't for me. It's rock. It's it's just too obvious and it's too sing along. They got a track called Waterfront that everybody loves. And now I'm looking at going. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> After this, the interesting, amazing stuff that you've done before that—I mean, a band, I know Jim a bit, and you know, he knows a lot of people feel that way. The who loved their original music, and that's so common for bands. Um, I can remember I went there, I met a man called um, Tam Coyle, and he's a DJ in Glasgow, and he's a great, like, the oldest swinger in It makes me look young for a DJ. Uh, he's top man, great, great, great history in Glasgow, and there's lots of bands that he's helped, and and. Uh, we met up a couple years ago to see a return gig by the Mary and And you know, I'd been to see Mary when we used to play 20 minutes of the back, you know, down the ICA with the back to, the, no tunes, just noise. Um, but also seen them as they really progressed. And I and I wanted to see them this time, three songs in, I looked at him, and he looked at me and we went, pop, and we went, yeah.
1: <laughs> just, oh, dear. And, just,
3: and it was, it's not that we're bad, it's just, they're not aiming at this at us anymore. You you need the money, mate. I get it. Do it. Enjoy it. There's people there loving it down the front. But you've taken all the, the kind of feedback out. You've it's slick. It's yeah. the reason why it was good was not that. Um or the reason why I it's not that's can I change that? Not the reason why it was good, the reason why I like it. No yes. Games. Yeah. Yes. I get that. That's the difference. So there's been lots of other bands where I've just... I, I... I... Again, I like owning up to things. Went to see The Fall, first time ever. Hex induction tour, Thornton's role one. Hated it. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for that. Surely everyone's had a
0: bad Fall gig. Yeah.
3: Haven't we? Haven't we all had a bad
0: yeah. Fall gig? Oh no, it's
3: been plenty of them. I've I've had plenty of other bad Fall gigs, but that time the fault was mine because <laughs> I didn't understand. Uh, And it took me two or three years, and then I kind of got it. Um, And then you put on top of that the fact that some of the best gigs I've ever been to have been four gigs since then. So, you know, I'll be honest with you, there's been dozens and dozens and dozens. I mean, a lot of gigs I've went to, which I just thought, nah, I don't really like music, don't really like the kind of, you know, the, what they're going, direction they're going, the derivative stuff that they're doing. There's lots of bands like that, and yeah, we're a bit bored, but, but. As long as a bit passion and they care and they mean it. The ones that don't seem to mean it but they're following a formula, then I've probably gone quite quickly. You know, I'm probably off quite quickly. And whether I know who's real and who's not, who knows? But uh, I know I I know know when I feel it and I just think that's not for me. Um
1: next next one is um surprising support. So um you've got to see a band this you've got there early enough to see the support band and they were unexpectedly good or just completely incongruous to the headliner. Why were they supporting them? Because maybe um, they were label mates. I, so. I
3: love it when you you walk up and you don't know who's on the spot because quite often you don't. You know you walk yeah, up yeah, yeah, and absolutely. It was, And then suddenly it's like um, talking heads. There you go, talking heads. one. Talking heads, really early days. They were the support. and they, No, no. Support was... Uh, oh, Tom um, Tom Club.
1: All oh, right.
3: Oh, oh Tom Tom yeah. Club. Right. Yes. Tom Tom Club was support because bassist is Tom Tom Club. You know she does that, right? So sorry, I can't remember the name. Just now, Norman Lafasia, and um, uh, and I just they just they were brilliant. Yeah, but talking heads were amazing. It was that stopped making sense to her I think. Oh wow! And, wow wow! And that was just amazing. Um, now, I'll tell you what was the crack. I remember going to see uh, Flaming Lips from Edinburgh and I went along early and I didn't know who, and it was Team, And the Team. Oh, what a band.
0: What a live, yeah. what a live band they are.
3: I remember thinking, I remember sitting down thinking, well, whoever's on before them, you've got a hard night, by the way. And you yeah. can see Flaming Lips. And then they come on, they were absolutely brilliant. And they just lifted. You know, Sometimes you can be a wee bit too good. You know, and the the main band will be a miffed, but what they did just laughed at the whole thing, so it was like an explosion when the film, let's came on. Um, you said the right yeah. thing
0: by lifted, and like because I've said to people, if you watch the Go Team live, you will smile. I yeah. promise you, you'll smile. Yeah. <laughs> they that promise. kind of live act, aren't they?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. There's, there's, there's loads of them over the years. Probably, I, I did many years ago go to see Pierre Gabriel, and the support was the Undertones. And of course, wow. about and things better. <laughs> what <laughs> I, a gig. I might have been wrong. I might be wrong, but I think it was their last, their Undertones last tour. Um, and it seemed obviously petrol emotion after that. But um, yeah, it was that was when they shuffled off, and Peely talked about it, when they shuffled off the stage that time, you just thought that's the end of something unbelievably special. Um, and I remember I, I stayed for the Gabriel gig, but I had no memory of it. But I remember the Undertones.
1: to let you program your own mini festival so uh, we've got an opener then a spoken word second act so like a chill out slot guest dj the support and the headliner
0: i i genuinely can't wait to hear this so who who's opening who's opening the day
3: yeah okay i'm I'm going back i, I will actually bring spook school it's a band called spook school not a lot of people know them um if, if john Peel was alive everybody would know them Right, yes. yeah,
1: right. So, bear in mind that each episode has its own Spotify playlist. So, I'll be slapping in a whole load of stuff that you've talked I about put, today. I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to this playlist. It's going to be an absolute banger. It's going to be
0: a belter. You have a spoken word, and it could be in sort of any guys. What have you gone? Oh, no, I've got Simon Armitage.
3: Um, he has yes. a boy, but it's but it's Simon Armitage and his musical interest now. In so, yeah, Simon.
1: In conversation yeah. with you, yeah, yes, yes, of course, of course. That's what I like. That's what we like. Um, second act, second musical act would be a mid afternoon chill out slot. You've you've got your burrito and you're sitting back with your pint of um, sweet cider. Um, mid afternoon chill out slot.
3: Uh, cigarettes after sex. <laughs> right. <With sugar>. Yes. <laughs> yes. Really short set. Uh, the best. What of- a choice. Yeah. And if you watch to chill out, you cannot chill out any more than them these days. And I know it's derivative of a lot of 4AD stuff. and no, I don't care. It's really nice stuff.
0: I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't agree with that either. I think it's absolutely brilliant. What a great choice. Great choice. <laughs> okay. So they've left the stage. And uh, as we have the turnaround, we've got your guest DJ. Now, this is interesting because it'll denote perhaps your genre of music that you've gone with. So... Who is this guest DJ? No, I'm doing it myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Brian. laughs> yes.
0: And but but we very quickly, where are you going to go with it? Which genre? Or are
3: you going to? No, I've I I DJed a couple of weeks ago there, and over the years I've been doing DJing for many many years. I've got a five-year list of songs now, very specific five-year list of songs, and basically, if you're not dancing after the first ten minutes, you're dead so <laughs> i love that what what track are you
0: finishing with
3: um boy they, yeah, they are a strap probably
0: nice oh my goodness me the best use of a recorder ever yeah, yeah. in the world i, I, I dance I just, all day to that
3: it's just um to be honest there's a band called choir 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 who sing that and at the end of the gig actually no change that sorry Always, always finish with Grinder's Switch, picking the blues. Sorry, I'm changing it.
1: Yes, nice, nice. Um, So now we've got the support. So the the second to last band, who are going to get the crowd absolutely up for it?
3: Um, See, I don't know if I want them up for it. I just want them to be enjoying it. So I am am actually going to do... um, Yeah, I'm just going to ask for camera security. Come on. Um, and do half a set alongside half a set with Bell and Sebastian. <laughs>
2: nice.
3: in <laughs> are fine just now. They're okay. <laughs> and is that going to be
0: a headliner as well?
3: No, the headliners.
0: Oh, oh okay. okay. So, oh, hang on. So, so the support is split between Bell and Sebastian and Camera Obscura, and camera obscura. And camera obscura. Okay, that. that is a that's a great choice.
3: That yeah. is a great choice. But it's difficult because I know you need to start thinking of people who aren't Scottish. Um... No, you
1: don't. <laughs> Pat, Pat and Evan, you do not. You do
3: not. Um, no, I to, I have to be realistic about it. There was a period, if I could get Barney from New Order and bump his head together with Hooky, and get oh, together yeah. and say, right, give us your best ever Joy Division meets New Order set, and batter it. I, I don't think you'll do much better than that. At the time, when they were at their very, very strongest they weren't household names. You know, they were, you know, they were very much, I don't think many people have seen them Absolutely absolute best. Yeah. If you got them at their absolute best and you put, you know, it doesn't matter what, it's love tears apart in decades and all that at the end. I've seen them do that live recently in decades. It was, if you ever get a chance to see that. It's, yeah. It's amazing. They've done it with all these uh, people playing the organs in the background and it is absolutely spine tingling. So the best of them all stuck together would be good.
1: See that's that's a nailed-on banger of yeah. a
0: festival. That's that's in, a knockout. That is amazing. What what a headliner? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be at the Heaton Park gig here in Manchester last year, or yeah, last you, summer. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: Um and it was just incredible. But you can't you can't help but think where well, is hooky. Yeah, exactly. You know, we we wish that they would get together and do that. Never say never. Yeah. but yeah you know and what with
3: as well and great Latin.
0: <laughs> what what a festival pat and what effect i would i would part I've, with I, my I, I've, actually de-
3: I've actually d i've actually a festival where franz ferdinand Gillian cole bells uh kevin Escura and a whole bunch of bands like that old and i was the dj in the last night and to this day still sticks as one of the best gigs of our best nights in my life
1: was that in scotland yes.
3: No, no, okay. but that's down, down in uh, oh god, one of those Butland's places down uh,
1: minehead, which?
3: minehead. Ah, yeah. it was yeah. the Bowie 2 Festival, it was uh, incredible. I wanted to never DJ again after that because it can't get any
1: better. You want to drop the mic forever, yes, <laughs> yeah. So now we've got, we've got our last couple, um, a um, couple of questions. So, who do you recommend we go and see live? So as you're as you're walking off the bus with your massive headphones going straight into the stadium, what's on the what's on the Sonny Walkman?
3: At the moment, I you know there's just a lot of stuff around just now. I mean, and I don't know the one that's jumped out to everybody now, and it's probably a bit late, is Wet Leg. So I mean, I really mm-hmm. like Wet Leg and like they, they, they seem to have put together a lot of bands I like, like Chorus Girl, Goat Girl, yeah the Wife's New Dad. A lot of bands of of the moment. It kind of get the best of always and the best of them all and tied it up in a nice little bow. Mm-hmm. They,
0: they have been fantastic. They are, obviously everyone's been singing their praises, haven't they? But I think it's worthy as well. I've seen them a couple of times in the past two years and they really are good, aren't they?
3: And it's one of those ones where you're supposed to now get fed up to them quite quickly because, you know, when we were listening to them a couple of years, a while ago, um, if they were your band they were my band You know, yeah i talk about yeah. them all the time and then everybody knows them now and you're supposed to say oh well no no no, I, no i'm with them i, I
1: think, think that period of time where you've got your own band that you'd know because you read about them in the enemy and then you went to see them for mm-hmm. that period of time that you've got them all to yourself it's got a lot shorter now
3: i think And well yes and no School has been eight years and nobody still knows about
1: them. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose. But I mean, <laughs> no, the, the bands that become yeah, big, true. for example, the bands
3: yeah, but, that the, become big. You, I mean, you, they are, it, it kind of doesn't matter really no. in the end. Uh, but certainly those, but I've had a bit of a difficulty. I've had four and a half years where I've been really writing. I mean, I've been writing a lot and um, it's taken up all my time and limited my. And of course, with two years, of that it was locked down anyway. So I've had a kind of difficult time going to see bands. So... Do you just, listen
1: to music when you're when you're writing?
3: Can't, can't do it. Just I. I just do I, just listening to music. <laughs> yeah. To, and where 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 are you based, Pat? Ge- geographically, Scottish Borders. Chris knows the place well. Very very close to where Chris comes from.
1: He's about fifteen so, minutes away from my mum and dad. So
0: you're, generally your choice of venue is your Edinburgh,
3: gonna... Edinburgh, Glasgow, sometimes Newcastle. Right. Okay. Um, or London. Uh, I work in London, so I, I live in Scotland, but I work in London.
0: Yeah, sorry. so
3: And I'm not working in London if there's a gig uh, and I can fit it in, in. I mean a wee while back when cigarettes after sex played, I got to see them while I was doing a game that afternoon. We've got to, uh, The next day, I got to see them that night. So, you know, I try and, if at all, and if there's not a gig going, I, I go and see, I'll go down the cars and see something in the movies. So. Well, you let us
0: know when you're commentating here in Manchester and I'll check the, the gig, guys. Now, the one thing I will say is going back to venue. The Albert Hall in Manchester is the most incredible venue. And if you've not been there yet, Pat, oh, it's an old Methodist hall. And the acoustics, whether you're watching Orbital or The Charlatans or Little Sims, it is unbelievable. So, next time you're in Manchester, I'll take you to the Albert Hall. It's, it's, the, it's the highest photo It's
1: the highest photo pit I've ever been in. So, you, you're there photographing <laughs> yes. and you're like, What's that? <laughs> Um, it's about seven foot high. Um, it's
0: incredible. We're, we're at the last question. And our last question is always uh, a recommendation of a live performance. And it could be a live album or it could just be a live video or clap, clip. Something that you go is a go to regularly.
3: and you know, Like every other question, it changes all the time.
0: Of course, of
3: course, that's what we'd expect I was recently in Qatar um, doing the World Cup And the time that I had where I wasn't writing uh, or doing games I just YouTube and just dived into YouTube and found stuff that I didn't know So my recommendation actually would be See some of your favourite tracks See if you get a chance Put the track name in and the band name in But have a look who else has done it You'll be amazed how many people are doing unusual versions of stuff that you love. Most of them are garbage, right? They're rubbish. Okay. <laughs> but every now and again, you have like I mentioned a bit about by the Arab Strap. That band choir, 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 done a version of it. I don't know which one I like better. The choir version
2: oh, or wow. by, Arab
3: Strap, by by um, the bells. So I I tend to go through these things now and again. You hit with something that's now. I'll be. I'll underline this. See anybody sitting there with a guitar and is going along playing like forty billion other people are, just blanket and move on. Okay, (laughs) unless it's Roddy Frame, just blanket. Right. Yes, (laughs) unless it's Roddy.
0: (laughs) Happy birthday, Roddy. Yeah. Happy birthday, Roddy. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Annual tweet today. Yeah. Uh, Exactly.
3: His annual tweet. (laughs) Exactly. And his album Surf, by the way. God, that would have been a temptation to. For a cool thing to do in the afternoon. Oh, amazing! Amazing, it's just the most amazing album, but um, you know, it's what it's worth doing now and again. I can and I found myself in this weird thing. Um, I don't know why I put it in, I put in a Pink Floyd song, and wish you were here, right? So, fine song, nice, nice, okay. And a billion people have done it, but there was this guy who I think was a Hasidic Jew doing it in Jerusalem on a warm evening night with an electric guitar. Wow. Staggering. <laughs> and it was, just, it doesn't, none of that makes any sense, right? None of it does, right? And then Uh-oh. you see it and you go, wow. And it is beautiful and it's haunting and the echo and everything is, so you, th- and that's just the most recent thing. Like um, the live versions of the cigarettes after sex, sex stuff there. Is it KEPX do a lot of live session stuff? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, they've got a lot of decent stuff, but you know, I, I'm going around thinking, right? I know a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of lot bands. And just follow that. It's not necessarily live. Some of them, most of them are live, the best ones. Uh, mm. But it's worth going. You see a lot of rubbish, but you also you know, you find a lot of good stuff, and you can filter the rubbish quite quickly.
1: Well, your episode page on the on the website is going to have. A load of the videos that you've talked about, um, at plus the playlist, plus the episode. So uh, I, I can't wait to put this together. It's going to be magic.
0: <laughs> Great recommendations. And we're now, or because of Pat, we're going to lose hours and hours of our life on YouTube listening to cover versions. <laughs> Pan Nevin, what an absolute pleasure to have you on the Gig Stories podcast. It's just been fantastic. We could speak to you forever and ever and ever. So we appreciate you... Uh, taking time you're a hero to us and this has been so exciting so uh for me and chris thank you pat Thanks, nice and mate. thanks
3: to anyone who listens as well cheers and if we did it again we would do completely different stuff Excellent.
1: What a man.
0: Oh, my gosh. You know I say the same thing every time. I could speak to that person forever and ever.
1: Oh, I know. And I know I mentioned the oh. um, the Spotify playlist and the, his web page, um, his episode web page, but I've just finished it. And the, uh, the the playlist is an absolute belter. It's so good. And um, a lot of the clips they talked about, I found the exact clips. So they're on his, um, his web page, which is Gig Stories podcast.com um and just go through all the episodes and we've got one of them for every one of our 41 this is the 41st episode
0: that's crazy craziness oh. and and what i loved about it obviously he's a hero to both of us and you know i feel so uh so lucky to have uh chatted with him a hero but what was nicer than anything was to feel and hear the excitement of him as a fan he's not a musician he's not in a band he hasn't and his passion so it, it it's like us I, I like that when we have uh when we have that on gig stories podcast i love speaking to musicians and you know that's obviously that's just amazing hearing their version but it's so nice to hear someone this side of the gig barrier mm. uh, and and hear uh, about how live music affects an affected pat you know again it relates to what you and i have said uh, over the episodes about it being an uplifting experience it can change you you know spiritual whatever word you want to use and also here in the lengths that you went to 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 get to various gigs just ah what a man and what taste and he Mm. has been i just want to back this up because i know because i hear him so often on radio and things he's been going on about wet leg since the very very beginning you know it's one of the it's where i i heard wet leg from pat nevin and peep feedies you know before i heard about them anywhere else he he knows his new music and that's what i love he still has that that thirst for for new music which is just amazing
1: well his um his playlist has Cocteau Twins in there, Camera Obscura. Uh, I didn't put any ABBA in there. Um, <laughs> that <but> was <laughs>
0: that one I'm still trying to get I need to, still process trying to get that my
1: head. There. Yeah, I, I just, oh, I've, I've genuinely
0: thought about that. I've genuinely yeah. thought over and over. And I mean, that could be one heck of an episode in itself, you and I going to the ABBA experience, because it is not what either of us would choose.
1: No, and but. he painted quite an apocalyptic... Yeah, picture of the future, didn't he? (laughs) It's like, oh, that sounds a bit Terminator Two. You know what I mean?
0: I'm now wondering if Elton John himself is going to be at Glastonbury. You know, as I said, I'm thinking, is it going to be a hologram? (laughs) Is Madonna really doing this tour, or is she doing it from a stage in America?
1: Yeah, a green screen in Media City. (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, but yes. one of the tunes we put on the uh the spotify is also the uh the tune that vinnie riley wrote for him um so oh yeah shot number seven so um yeah it, it's it's about us so check it out we've got some loads of videos on there found the the picture of the the men in jerusalem um singing pink floyd's wish you were here um and uh, just
0: amazing amazing yeah. things
1: but a bit of genesis bit of thin lizzie some jurity column the fall the choir 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 the spook school and also there's a couple of in- there's an interview from 1989 with pat and he just looks like he's he's dressed a little bit like do you remember tucker jenkins from grange hill <laughs> from grange hill yeah he's he's um he's dressed a little bit like tuck in his in his black leather jacket um, and there's another um short video of Pat Nevin' skills it's just Pat Nevins skills but it's got a great soundtrack yes. somebody's put puts put some thought into the um the, the the soundtrack to these videos of him just skinning people and it Brilliant. includes kind of um public service broadcasting and all that kind of stuff so yeah have a look on the website because and it's you know really you know thought. one of
0: my favorite anecdotes he told us and I can just picture this was him and Stuart Pierce oh
1: absolutely that
0: i love that i love that it happens in exactly that way yeah and at the end of in the twilight of their careers they went now we can we can sort of smile at each other
1: and i mentioned to you when we had a catch-up last week i mentioned to you about the the sports people that i wanted on from the beginning pat nevin was top yeah and the the other in the top three were pierce yes and davis
2: steve, steve davis. davis
1: so i'm just manifesting i'm channeling uh johnny kelsey just want to manifest it get it out there yeah into the universe get it out there and it will happen with well maybe not Stuart pierce but oh well let's see but anyway <laughs> um so like you said at the start we're gonna we're gonna try and keep it a little bit briefer but obviously from episode to episode we'll have um things that we want to talk about i've not been to a gig for a while and i've got really much to report so we're not going to just um you know witter on without anything to talk about
0: no Um, absolutely we we've not been to gigs but there was there's one thing i want to mention now because this when you're here in this episode you'll still be amongst it there's a lot of um up and coming uh, bands uh, supporting independent venue week. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that it spans over a week, which sounds daft. I know. I I think it's slightly a bit longer. So check out your local uh, listings, especially if you're in uh, bigger cities, you're lucky enough to be in bigger cities, see who's out there out and about um, because gigs are coming up quite quickly now. And, uh, uh, We've got Trampoline. We've had Jack Jones on the podcast before, and Trampoline are coming to Manchester soon. Okay, uh, so, yes, we're gonna, sure. yeah, so We're going to, yep. So we're going to go and get and see them. But also, and we don't have progress on this yet, Chris and I are choosing a gig for each other. Mm. And so, listener, keep your ears
1: peeled. Peel your ears,
0: <laughs> your eyes pinned back.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Is that, is, you're painting a quite grotesque Salvador yes. Dali kind of
0: um I am I am trawling listings because I'm trying to choose an absolute banger to take You're Christ trying to.
1: to set me up. You're trying to Not me set you right up because I
0: want it to be something that you just absolutely love and enjoy but you would never choose or that I think you would never choose. So, so are you
1: expecting from me some kind of experimental improvisational free jazz?
0: or yeah for, yes because i would never choose that no i know never even seen that
1: i know? might surprise you and just take you to shania twain
0: <laughs> i mean that wouldn't impress me much
1: hey so
0: talking please. about suppliers and assist from
1: me <laughs> thank you
0: thank you chris nevin nodded so... that
1: into the empty net
0: <laughs> so listener we're back we're back on the socials facebook twitter instagram get in touch with us tell us about the gigs you're going to and the gigs you've been to and uh we shall get retweeting and responding and um thank you for listening and we've got some great episodes coming up so again keep those eyes and ears peeled and pinned right back
1: yeah <laughs> pin back your eyes <laughs> see you next time
0: take care bye bye